Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you join us for a message titled, Better is One Day. Terrence Green, our young adults pastor, challenges us to look for the better that God has for us in our lives. Terrence shows us from David's words in Psalm 84 that we have to learn to let go of the good to get the better. We're reminded that constant communication with God will get us the indescribably better life that He has planned for us. All right, so good morning. Um, hey, everybody. You? Yeah, we'll see how you guys feel at the end of the sermon. So um, we're going to be in the book of Psalms today, page 588, if you have our Bible. Uh, Dave asked me if I wanted to conclude our series, I Love My Church, but, and I'll be honest with you, I couldn't come up with anything. I really couldn't. I love this church. The only thing was, I love my church, but someone always steals my favorite donut before I get over there after service. But it's like, you know, I don't, I don't have 30 minutes of, to go on about that. So I decided what we're going to do today, we're going to look at this word better. This word better um, and how the uh, Bible describes it. But before we start, I have, to, I have a question. Uh, anyone else out there like a big, fat, juicy piece of steak? All right, that's one of my favorite things to order. Now, this is about 13 years ago, uh, and she's my wife now, but she was my almost girlfriend at that point, Becca. And we went out to a, uh, went out on our third or fourth date. We decided to go to Outback. Now we go to Outback. And I decide on the way there, I am going to get a big, fat piece of steak. Now, when I say steak, I'm calling it steak because technically that's what it was. I grew up completely different than most of you. I grew up eating. Well done steak. Almost burnt. I, I can hear the judgment right now, okay? It was almost burnt to that point. So when I sit down at Outback, in my mind, I'm thinking I'm going to get a piece of really good shoe leather on my plate. All right, that's what I want. So the waitress comes, I order the steak, and she asks me, she says, how would you like it? And I said, I'll have it well done. And I look across at Becca, and Becca looks at me like I just said something about her mama. Like I did the worst thing in the world, all right? And she says, um, I'm sorry, ma'am, he'll actually have it medium rare. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. So I'm trying to talk her out of it, but she's persistent. So the waitress, knowing that, you know, the woman always wins, goes off and gets my mediums, my medium rare steak ready. So it comes back, and it looks like they just cut it off the side of the cow. Like it's actually, like, fresh, all right? And so I'm thinking, there is no way. There's literally no way I'm going to be able to eat this. And Becca's tearing into hers, and so I'm like, okay, well, let me see what this is all about. And I put my fork into it, and I hear a... I'm like, oh, this is not going to work. This is not going to work. And at that point, I look across, and Becca is no longer eating, but kind of sitting there with her arms folded looking at me like, yeah, what are you going to do? What's your move? And so now I have a dilemma. I am trying to convince this woman that she needs to spend the rest of her life with me. And I'm not even man enough to eat a medium-rare steak. So I'm like, Terrence, you know what? For one time in your life, man up, just try to eat it. So I start cutting into it, and it's, oh, it is just disgusting. All right, I'm cutting into it, and I finally get the piece cut, and I lift it up, and there's little pieces of blood dripping back onto the plate. And I'm like, oh, oh, my gosh. And Becca's still staring at me like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And so finally, I, I put the piece in my mouth, and I take a bite. 
And at that moment, the angels of heaven came down <laughs> and started playing the harp around the table. Like God himself inhabited this piece of steak. Like, I seriously want to dance right now just thinking about how good this was. Because for my entire life, I ate one thing and I never knew there was something indescribably better out there than well done. I hope that you want the rest of your life, the rest of this year to go better than it has so far. But for so many of us, what we're actually doing is we're living for the good life. We're living for nice things. We're living for pleasure. We're living for prestige. We're living for money. We're living for comfort and fun. When we don't realize that God has something indescribably better out there for us, it's not to say that there's anything wrong with those things. There's nothing. If God has your whole heart, there is nothing wrong with those things. But God says, I have something indescribably better for you. Here's the key fact for the entire talk today. You have to learn to let go of the good if you want to grab onto the better. You have to learn how to let go of what you think is good when God says, I have something indescribably better out there for you. There's a story that's pretty interesting. Uh, It says that there was a little boy who lived far out in the country in the late 1800s, and he had reached the age of 12, and he had never in all of his life seen a circus. So you can imagine his excitement when one day a poster went up at school announcing that on the next Saturday, a traveling circus was coming to the nearby town. He ran home with the glad news and the question and asked his dad, can I go? Although the family was poor, the father sensed how important this was to the lad. He said, if you do your Saturday chores ahead of time, I'll I'll see to it that we have the money for you to go. So Saturday morning came, the chores were done, and the little boy stood by the breakfast table, dressed in his Sunday best. His father reached down into the pocket of his overalls and pulled out one dollar bill, the most money this little boy had possessed at one time in all of his life. And the father cautioned him to be careful and then sent him on his way. The boy was so excited that his feet hardly seemed to touch the ground all the way. As he neared the outskirts of the village, he noticed people lining the streets, and he worked his way through the crowd until he could see what was happening. Lo and behold, it was the approaching spectacle of a circus parade. The parade was the grandest thing this lad had ever seen. Caged animals snarled as they passed. Bands beat their rhythms and sounded shining horns. Little people performed acrobats while flags and ribbons swirled overhead. Finally, after everything had passed where he was standing, the traditional circus clown with floppy shoes, baggy pants, and a brightly painted face brought up the rear. As the clown passed by, the little boy reached into his pocket, took out that precious dollar bill. Handing the money to the clown, the boy turned around and went home. What had happened? The boy thought he had seen the circus when he had only seen the parade. And God's saying the same thing. For some of you, you look at life today and you think it's fulfilling, you think it's good, and God's like, you haven't seen anything yet. I have something absolutely indescribably better for you if you let go of what you think is good so you can grab onto the best. We're going to be in uh, Psalm 84. And so before we go any further, I think we need to look at what the Word of God says. But I need to let you know I am preaching from uh, my Bible 
Um, not that I wrote it, but we have the New International Version here. But when, when, I, uh, when I do study, I study from the New Living Translation. It's a little bit different. We have the verses on the screen. Hopefully, you can still follow along. Verse 1, it says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. We need to stop there for a second. When you study the Bible, there are three things that you need to think of. Content, what does the word, what does it actually say? Context, what were things like back then? And application, what does it mean? Content, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. The context, at that time, God literally lived in the temple. That was where his dwelling place was. And for you to say that I want to enter the courts, you're saying I want to go to the temple where your presence is. The psalmist is saying, I long with everything that is inside of me just to be in your presence. Let's go on. With my whole being, body, and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. And here's the key. A single day in your courts or a single day in your presence is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. A single day, one day in your presence is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. One day in your presence is better than a lifetime anywhere else. I would rather be a servant with nothing in your house, in your presence, than for me to have everything my life desires and not have you. That is literally what the psalmist is saying right now. And I got to be honest with you. For a long time, I did not agree with this. I didn't get it. I understood the point of going to church, but I never understood the point of getting rid of sin. Why would you want to be miserable and legalistic and give up sin when sin is fun? Don't get all churchy on me, all right? That's why you sin. Sin is fun, but it'll kick your butt. The way I've heard it described is that sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go and keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. That is what it does to us. And this person is saying, you know what? I'm willing to give up absolutely everything as long as I have you. Everything as long as I have you. My job today is through the power of the Holy Spirit to hopefully convince you that God has an indescribably better life for you that can begin today. So why is this life better? This life is better because God's ways are higher than your ways. God's ways are better than your ways. We're told that God's love is literally better than life. This life is better because we get forgiveness and we no longer have to live with the shame of the past. We are told that he removes our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. This life is better because we have security of knowing that we are a member of God's family. This life is indescribably better because we have joy and peace that is no longer based on our circumstances, but based on who God is in our life. This life is better because we literally have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. 
We no longer have to go somewhere to be in God's presence because God chose to come and be with us. Can I get an amen to that? If there's ever anything to be excited about in church, in life, it's the fact that God has chosen to be with us. This life is indescribably better than anything else we could strive for. Indescribably better. But I want you to hear what I'm saying. I'm saying this life is better, but it's not always easier. I'm not saying that all of a sudden all your problems are going to go away. Because we're promised in this world we will have trouble. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. In the middle of the storm that you might be in right now, God is there. In fact, I'd rather be in the boat in the middle of the storm with Jesus in the boat with me than be on the shore without him. He's there right now. So here's the question. If a single day is better, how do I have that day? How do I have that day with God? Well, if you would have asked me this a couple of years ago, I would have said, okay, well, get up and read your Bible for about 20, 30 minutes, pray for a little while, and then go on with your day. And there's nothing wrong with that answer. It's just not the best answer. Because what I saw is I began to compartmentalize my life where I had my devotion time and I had my prayer time and then I had my normal time. But that's not truly biblical. That's not really what it talks about. So how do you have this day? This is the first way. Live with an ongoing, unending awareness of God's presence. An ongoing, unending awareness of God's presence. This means that you recognize all day long that God is right there with you, guiding you and comforting you. And sometimes he's, he has to kind of say, stop. It's convicting you a little bit. And he's speaking to you. All throughout the day, he is right there because he no longer dwells in a temple. He dwells in you. And the neat thing is that if you can have a day with God, you can have a week with God or a month with God or a year with God. And when we start reading that, we start understanding what Paul was saying in Colossians. He says, whatever you do, whether it be driving to work, whether it be sending a text to your boyfriend or girlfriend, whether it be studying for an exam, whether it be football practice, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. He's saying, no longer call yourself spiritual. You are not spiritual. There was literally no word spiritual in the Hebrew language. Jesus never would have understood that because you can't call one portion of your life spiritual because another portion of your life, therefore, is not spiritual. What he's saying is that with everything you are, be a representative of me. No matter where you are, understand I am right there with you. You have my presence. So how do we do this practically? How do we do this practically? I want to give you three ideas or even disciplines. Because what happens, I'll I'll be honest with you, even for me, I, I have the best intentions, and then I turn on TV, and then I fall asleep, and life just continues to happen. And I'm not living life with Jesus. I'm just living life. So how do we do this practically? This is the first thing. Be in constant communication with God. Be in constant communication with God. That's what 1 Thessalonians says. Be joyful always. Pray continually. 
Sometimes we have, uh, we have a version that says actually pray without ceasing. And I've got to tell you that when I sit down and I pray, I have ADD. I cannot focus on prayer for longer than five minutes because I start off and I'm like, God, you know, I thank you for who you are in my life and who you are in the life of this church. Thank you so much for my family. And I have to take out the trash tomorrow. And how in the world are the Raiders going to put their hope in a quarterback who has started two games in his NFL career? And then maybe they'll pick up Tim Tebow. And at that point, I'm just done. Like, I'm not even praying anymore. I'm strategizing for fantasy football. (laughs) But then I thought about something. Does anyone have one of these? A smartphone? I have an iPhone. If you don't have an iPhone, God bless you, all right? But I have an iPhone. And what I notice is that all day, every day, I'm in constant communication with people I know and love. On Twitter, I have 140 characters to get my point across to someone. On Facebook, which I am on constantly, people don't want to read novels. I just have quick posts about what's going on. I am texting my wife. I'm texting friends all throughout the day, just constantly, constantly, constantly communicating with them. Do you know your prayer life's a lot like that as well? It's good if you're able to have the three-hour spiritual warfare prayer. That's wonderful. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's great if you have the prayer while you are tucking your kids in at night. That's great. But God just wants to hear from you. God just wants you to say, you know what? I'm headed to work right now, and this traffic is horrible. Just give me, just give me some more patience, God. God, my kid has a test that they're walking into right now. I know they studied hard. Bless them for how they studied. God, you know, I, I see that person over there who's hurting. Just have your spirit reach out to them. Is there anything that you want me to say to them, God? My boss has been um, unbearable. Let me know what I need to do. Help me continue to be a better light to him or to her so they see who you are. Just quick conversations, 140 character conversations with God. And what you see is that all of a sudden you are praying continually. You're praying without ceasing. But that's not enough. You need to decide to be instantly obedient. Decide to be instantly obedient. That's what Galatians says. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. In every Bible that I own, every Bible that I give to someone, I write this phrase in the the first part of it. I say, we speak, God responds. God speaks, we respond. Live the conversation. This is an ongoing conversation because if you're thinking that you're just talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and you're never hearing back, it's not really a conversation. If you are feeding on God's word, if you're in continual uh, talking with, if you're having 140 character prayers with him, eventually he's going to start talking back and asking you to do stuff. And before you get in the middle of the situation right now, you need to decide to be obedient. For many of you, you know that I started a new job this week in San Francisco. This was by far the worst week ever to start a job in San Francisco, okay? So I have, I have my option. I either try to, to brave the bridge or I take BART. So I decided to take BART. It's the wrong decision. So Tuesday, I, I get on BART and I quickly realize there are going to be way too many people here and I am not going to get a seat. 
So I grab, I find a handle and I grab onto a handle and all of a sudden I'm just a sardine in a can. So we're going and there's a lady about my age sitting down next to me and she's giving me a look. And the look is all too familiar of a look for me. It's, I know you, but you probably don't know who I am. I'm like, Bay Hills person. Hey, how are you doing? And I start talking to her. She's like, yeah, you know, I've been to Bay Hills a couple of times. And, you know, I know who you are. And I, I saw you preach. And she made a joke. The first time she came was uh, when I, I said I would pray for someone anywhere. When I was praying for people in Target. She's like, hey, will you pray for me on the BART state? And I was like, hey, really funny. And so we keep talking. We keep talking. And I realize she's not going to stand up. And on this BART train, I can't really hear her. So now I'm holding on. And I'm leaning over, having a conversation with her. And she's just talking to me, and I'm talking back, and my back starts to burn a little bit. I'm like, all right, time to end the conversation. So I make a quick joke and stand up. And at that point, the Holy Spirit himself reaches back and slaps me upside the head and says she wasn't done. Is there anything I need to pray for you for? Waterworks. Immediately. Let me tell you what happened. This is all by permission of this couple. A little bit over a year ago, this couple had a miscarriage. They had been trying and trying and trying to have a baby, and they had a miscarriage. And because of this, she started to fall into a cycle of depression and self-harm. Not only that, she's out of sick time at her job because she can't really find the motivation to get out of bed anymore and to go in. And she's on the verge of losing her job because of that. Not only that, but because of all the stress of the miscarriage and the depression and now finances, her and her husband are on the verge of losing their marriage. And I'm talking to this woman on a crowded BART with my back burning. And she says, you know what? When I got home tonight, I was going to ask my husband to move out. And I'm standing there listening. And I realize that I'm now in a position and a divine appointment to speak truth into her life. But my back's burning. 140 character prayer to God real quick. God, I'm not in good shape. I'll go to the gym, I promise. <laughs> but I really, really need to focus on her right now, Lord. So help me focus on her and not what's going on with me. And I'm standing there and we're just talking back and forth, and she's crying, and I'm crying, and everybody's crying. And we're just talking back and forth, and I start encouraging her and saying, you know what? I'm sorry for what you guys are going through right now. I think it's absolutely horrible, and it's heinous, and God doesn't want this to happen either. But I want you to know that even in the middle of your storm, God is right there with you right now. And I'm just doing my best to encourage her, and we get to her stop, and I say, hey, before, before you leave, can I, can I just give you something? And I give her my business card, and I said, please, Please send me an email. I want to help set you up with a grief counselor so you guys can deal with what's going on right now. And, you know, set you up also with someone to help you with your finances, but most importantly, with, with a marital counselor so you guys can get back on track. And she says, yeah, I'd be happy to. Well, she and I are communicating via email for the next day or so. And then on Thursday, I decide that I have to get some things from Target, so I go to Target. Now, if you've ever heard me preach, you understand that Target is my mission field, okay? Every time I walk in there, someone stops me because they have something catastrophic going on. So I walk in, who do I see? Her and her husband. And her husband runs, he runs up to me, and he puts his arm around my neck, 
and just says, thank you. For the first time in a year, I see hope in her eyes. Now, I'm not saying that every time you take BART, you're going to save the entire train for Jesus, all right? <laughs> I'm not saying that. And I'm not, I'm not saying that God wants you to get on the loudspeaker at Target and start preaching. This is what I'm saying. Your obedience is not about you. Your obedience is not about your blessings. It's about you being a blessing. Because we live in a hurting world with real people, with real problems, and God is going to try to put you in the middle of a situation and says, you know what? You be my light. You inject my hope back into the situation. And you have the choice to be obedient and say, yeah, God, use me. Or just keep striving for the good life. Decide today to be obedient. That's the last thing. Develop a daily desperation for God. It says in Psalms, my soul yearns for you. My heart faints for the living God. And when I read that, my soul doesn't yearn for God the way it should all of the time. And it's because I don't have an appetite for him. I am not feeding on him. I saw nothing wrong with well done because I had never experienced anything better than well done. But now I'm on rare. Now I'm on moving. I'm, I'm at that point because I've tasted it and I have seen that it is good. That's exactly what it says. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I am telling you, when you are in constant communication with him and you see how he is moving in you and through you, you want more. You get an appetite for that. You begin to feed on that. Because you know that he is using you, an imperfect person, to reach a hurting world, a hurting community, a hurting family for his glory. A daily desperation for him. And you'll say exactly what David said in Psalm 63. God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My very soul thirsts for you. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. When you're in constant communication with God, when you're instantly obeying him, when you're feeding on him and enjoying him, you realize that he is indescribably better than anything else you could strive for. Indescribably better. And you want his forgiveness and his grace, and his power, and his mercy. Because we can literally live life with God. Let's put the summary slide up there. Normally what we do is say, take a look at the screen and pick one thing you want to work on. Okay, this week look at the screen and pick four things that you want to work on. All right? <laughs> this is the problem. Think about it for a second, okay? I'm going to live with an awareness that God's presence is here, and I'm going to talk to him, but don't ask me to do anything. It doesn't work. It just does not work. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a little bit of time right now, and I'm going to walk you through an exercise that helps you understand how to have this constant communication with God and to hear from him. We're going to have it on the screen, but I'm going to prompt you so you don't even need to look up there. It's just you and God right now. So just close your eyes, bow your heads. It's just you and God right now. Let me ask you a question. How's your family doing right now? How's your marriage doing? 
What do you need from God? What direction do you need? He's listening. Tell him. 140 characters or less. Tell him. What about your kids? Are they going in a good direction? What do you need God to do? Talk to him and listen. What about your job? How are things going there for you right now? Are you considering changing careers? Ask God to give you direction on which way you should go. How are your finances doing right now? Are you struggling? Ask God what you might have to scale back or reprioritize in your life to help out. God promises that he'll take care of your needs. Just ask him to do that. Maybe you're doing well. Ask God who you need to bless because you're doing so well. How's your health going? What's worrying you? Maybe you got some news from the doctor a few days ago and it wasn't good. Ask God for his his peace. Ask God for his hope. Maybe it's not even you. Maybe it's a loved one or a friend and their health is not good. Ask for healing. Ask God what you need to do in that situation. What about your unsaved loved ones? Name them to God by name. Say, God, I I pray that you touch so-and-so's heart, Lord. Help me be a blessing to them. What about your future? Do you have any big plans or big decisions coming up? Ask God for wisdom. 140 characters. It does not have to be long. Say, God, guide me. Maybe you're single. Ask God the kind of person you should be looking to date. This is the last one. What about yourself? We talked a lot about striving for the good life and not going after the indescribably better life that God offers. What do you need to let go of? What in your life is good that you need to let go of so you can get what's better? Ask God what you need to do to take your next step closer to him. He's listening. God, I thank you so much for this church, Lord. But even more than Bay Hills Community Church, Lord, I thank you for you. I thank you for the fact that I can have a relationship with you through the sacrifice of your son and literally have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in my life. I have your presence every second of the day, Lord. God, I pray for us as a church. I pray that you help us be people who who live with that awareness that your presence is there constantly, Lord. Help us be people who are constantly communicating with you. Just quick prayers, letting you know what's going on, maybe even praising you for when you show off with an amazing sunset. 
God, let us be people who are deciding right here and right now that when you tell us to move, we will do it. But God, we know that because of your presence, Lord, because of our relationship with you, because of what you can do in us, yes, but also through us and our families and this community and this world, Lord, help us hunger and thirst for more of you, Father. God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you that you aren't a guy who just kind of leaves us on our own, but you're with us. So you continue to be our God. We will continue to be your people. Your son's name. It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the Internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, is radically committed to reaching the unchurched in the Bay Area and to developing believers into fully devoted followers of Christ. Thanks again for listening.